Welcome to season three of the Hello Personality Podcast, the place where you learn how to use your personality type to create a radically authentic and significant life. That is a life that ignites your potential and creates positive ripple effects to all of those around you. I'm your host, Leslie McDaniel, and I'm very excited about what we're going to get into this season. If you're new here to the podcast, or if you're unfamiliar with the format that we use, we use both the Enneagram and the 16 type system to help you create this radically authentic and significant life. And this season, we're focusing in on the 16 type system and what it can teach us. We're going to use the 16 type system as a lens through which you can self-reflect, self-observe, and on which you can base your inner and outer growth work. But even if you tend to have more interest in the Enneagram, or if you are more invested in that system in this season of your life, I still encourage you to stick around. The reason is because I'm going to be sharing a five-part framework this season that will help you not only live more purposefully, but it will help you be more effective in your role as a trailblazer and a meaning maker and a visionary who wants to have deep and transformational impact in your life and in the lives of those around you. So since you're here listening, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're on board with going beyond just learning more and more about yourself and more and more about your type or continually defining yourself by your personality type. Your personality type is important and it is a really helpful tool or a resource that you can use in your life. But I want to help you go beyond just continuing to label or describe yourself. But since we do use personality type here on the podcast as the basis for living more purposefully and intentionally, I will be sharing connections to creating this kind of life and each of the 16 personality types in this system. And you'll also hear some interviews with people about their 16 types personality and the relationship that they have to each aspect of this framework. So there are still some key concepts that you'll be able to apply to your own life, even if you don't know your 16 types personality, or if you're focused on the Enneagram. Since this is episode one of the season, I want us to first take a closer look at the underlying issue of trying to create a life that is radically authentic and meaningful and significant. So looking at the problem in more detail, will help us to get really clear on what you're facing when you try to create this kind of life. And after we talk about the problem more in depth here in just a minute, I'll share some of the specific issues that you may be facing based on your 16 types personality, if you know it. All right, so when you are trying to create this life that is radically authentic and it's meaningful and it's impactful, what gets in the way? Well, If you're like me, you want a lot. You have too many interests. And when I say you want a lot, I don't mean like things or belongings. I just mean that that you have a lot of ambition and you want to do a lot. You You have a lot of interests. And the problem is that there's often not enough time. And sometimes the things that you want seem to compete with each other. So you might want really healthy relationships 
And you might also have a project or a goal or a job that's really important to you. And that also takes a lot of time. So it's almost like when you devote time and energy and effort to one, it feels like the other interests or the other areas of your life have to take a back seat. And that doesn't feel great. And you know this, you know that life is finite, but there just never seems to be enough time to get it all in, all the things that matter to you and that feel important. So what ends up happening is that it can feel like a constant negotiation of where to spend your precious hours, but you really don't want to leave something out. And as you're sorting through all of the things that you want to do and trying to prioritize what matters most, you often face this nagging question. Would I be happier or more fulfilled if I did this or if I did that? Another issue that you may be facing is that you often say yes. And you often say yes to things because you can. You see that you have the ability to do something, especially if it's to help someone else out. And you might think, well, I can do that. I know I'll do it well too, so I might as well do it. And so when you say yes, you start heading down that path of where the yes was taking you and you get invested in going in that direction. And what I mean by that is that you invest your time, your energy, and maybe even your finances. And all of that means that you get caught up in the momentum of doing. It's like you've already started down that path, so you feel the weight of what it would mean to change directions. So you struggle to take time to stop the cycle and to figure out how to realign what you're doing with who you really are underneath those actions. So then, as a result of that, your life gets out of alignment because you've passed out too many of your yeses, so to speak, and you've already invested so much time and energy in the direction you're going. So it feels like you can't stop because it takes time to slow down, right? And that time could be spent moving forward on the many things that you have going. If you do decide to slow down and step away for a bit and maybe say no a little bit more, then you probably find yourself feeling guilty. And maybe you're feeling guilty for not doing more. And you may feel responsible for explaining your reasoning to others and helping them to understand why you've chosen this path or why you said no. To you, time is a really, really important resource. And there just doesn't seem to be enough of it. So you definitely do not want to waste it. Another part of the problem, and you may or may not be aware of this yet, but you can get in a cycle of choosing things based more on external factors, like pleasing others or getting positive feedback maybe, or doing a job well done, or maybe even just filling a role because you know you can. You end up basing things more on that than internal factors and your own internal guidance. So you have the expectation of others, just simply saying yes to things you're good at, not slowing down to really get clear about the priorities that match your internal guidance. And all of this begins to undermine your own internal compass. The longer this goes on, the more dissonance you're going to feel and the more discontentment you'll experience. You may feel like you're making a constant trade-off and that doesn't make you very happy either. So, okay, if you related 
to any or all of that, I'm going to show you this season how to deal with these things by becoming someone who unapologetically blazes a new trail for a radically authentic life that also creates a significant, positive, and rippling impact. You know the kind of life I'm talking about. It's the kind of life that leaves the world in a better place. Now, this includes your family, your friends, and your work, your vision that you have for your life, and all of those that you've worked really hard to positively impact. Leaving the world in a better place is not just a cliche for you, but it's really, truly something that drives you and all of your actions. It's your motivation. It's the kind of life when you are the best version of yourself and you help those around you be their best self. Again, this is not a cliche, but it's something that's deeply, deeply important to you. This kind of life I'm talking about is one that ignites your own potential and inspires others to also live a radically authentic, impactful, and significant life that exists way beyond the expectations and responsibilities that you so often carry around like a weight on your shoulders. Do you want this kind of life? I know I do. And it may sound aspirational at times, but it's not. It's really, really possible. So now that we've gotten really clear on this issue of creating this kind of life and what what the problems are associated with it, Let's look at the connections to each of the 16 types and see how you might get in your own way when it comes to creating this kind of life. Now, if you're newer to the 16 type system, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to season one and episodes nine, 10, and 11. Because in those episodes, I go into deeper detail about the four main categories of personality type that I'm going to talk about in just a minute. And I explain some of the terminology that I'm going to use in this episode. It's not really necessary for you to do that right now before you listen, but if you find yourself wondering about something that I mentioned, or maybe you're not understanding some of the phrases or terminology, you can just go back and check out those episodes in season one. Okay, so let's begin with the EJ types. So those are the ENFJs, the ESFJs, ENTJs, and ESTJs. So if you're an EJ type, even though you tend to have the ability to make things happen in the world, you can find yourself basing your priorities on what others want and expect from you. Now, if you know a little bit about this system, the main issues I'm going to talk about here are related to having an extroverted judging function as your main mental or cognitive function and having that introverted judging function as your inferior or your last mental function. So the extroverted judging functions, as I mentioned in season one, are extroverted feeling and extroverted thinking. And those are ways of making decisions based on either feeling or thinking criteria and based on the external world. Now, the opposite of those, the functions that these types would have in the inferior position are introverted thinking and introverted feeling. Now, it's okay if you don't know what that means, but I just wanted to share that in case you are someone who knows a little bit about this system. So what does this mean? This means that you can lose touch with your own internal motivations. 
And you can move too fast to really analyze what's happening inside of you. And you may even make some internal compromises when it comes to your own beliefs or your own feelings in order to meet those external expectations or standards. If you look really closely, EJs, and this may take some self-reflection, you're likely to finding yourself in relation to who you are to others or what you can do for them. When you start to become aware of the internal dissonance that this can create, the feelings or, or thoughts of being unfulfilled in your life will start to break through the surface of your carefully crafted exterior. You likely do say yes a lot, as I described earlier, and your schedule is likely to be fairly full, and that probably feels purposeful to you. And saying yes and being able to help out people feels really good. Now, your yeses, so to speak, may not always involve other people. You can be pulled to say yes to things like one more course or one more project or one more idea that you're going to take action on. Even though all of this feels good and it may feel like the best or only way, these natural habits and abilities can pull you away from having the most strategic impact. And to be honest with you, it can keep you from being your best self. When your efforts are more diffused and spread out over several yeses, your ability to have deep, meaningful, and sustainable impact diminishes. It also pulls you away from your most authentic self. By reducing your yeses or the things to which you respond yes, and making sure that they align with your authentic vision, you'll be tapping into your deepest potential and you'll be more able to inspire others to do the same. Now, we'll talk more about how you can do this as we go through that five-part framework I mentioned starting in the next episode. But let's move on to the IPs first. We've got the INFPs, the ISFPs, INTPs and ISTPs. The strengths and the struggles of the IPs are basically the opposite of what I just shared for the EJs. So if you're an IP, you lead with an introverted judging function and you have an extroverted judging function as your last or inferior cognitive function. You might remember from what I just shared about EJs that this is the exact opposite. So for IPs, they either lead with introverted feeling or introverted thinking. And in the bottom position there would be extroverted thinking or extroverted feeling. Even though you as an IP have a really clear sense of your own identity, and you usually don't have many issues knowing what you want, you likely struggle with making progress or asking for outside help when you could really use it. You may even struggle to know that you need outside help or when it could be useful. When you face a large task that requires you to take on external actions, you probably struggle for quite a while and you might get really overwhelmed or stressed. It's much harder for you to make things happen in the external world than it is for the EJs, but that does not mean that it's impossible. It does mean, though, that you'll need to get more skillful at relying 
on that external help or external structures, or even just learning how to know who to ask. Even knowing where to start in this realm can be difficult for you. You may have a deep desire to have a positive impact on others, but if you're struggling to know where to start, you're going to be limited in your ability to do so. When it comes to creating a life that is not only radically authentic, but that also accesses your fuller potential and helps you to be the best version of yourself, you will need this external support. So let's move on and talk about the IJs. These are the INFJs, INTJs, ISFJs, and ISTJs. We're going to switch from looking at having the judging functions first and last, which are your decision-making functions, to having your perceiving or learning functions first and last. So if you're an IJ type, you're going to want to think and process information much, much longer than the EJs or the IPs. And it also means that you're going to lead with either introverted intuition or introverted sensing. And so therefore, the extroverted perceiving functions of extroverted sensing or extroverted intuition are last for you. Having an internally focused information gathering process as a main strength means that you can turn the information over and over in your mind without taking any action on it, without even feeling the need to take action on it. I want to clarify this point for a second because I know there are a lot of people who identify as IJ types, and they're actually another type. Not taking action and this turning over the information in their mind, it's not an uncomfortable thing if you're an IJ. It's the way IJs are naturally wired, so it's just the way they naturally approach things. So to you, if you're an IJ, it's not a bad thing to be in your head because where else would you be? <laughs> I've had some types tell me that they're just always in their head and as if it's a, a, a struggle or it's not a good thing. That's not the IJ perspective. So based on what I just shared about the IJs and wanting to, to continually turn the information over in their head, I bet you can probably guess what the issue is going to be when you have all these wonderful thoughts and ideas. The issue is taking action. That's the struggle. And IJs especially do not like to take quick action. So if you're an IJ, it takes you a really long time to process things, enough to feel ready to put it out into the external world. Now that's not a bad thing, but it does impact your ability to leave the world in a better place. Or this natural tendency, at least, reduces the potential positive impact that you can have in the external world. When you don't try things out in the external world, or at least take some risks, you can end up feeling unfulfilled and disappointed by your outer world progress. And that brings us to the last group, the EPs. So these are the ENFPs, the ENTPs, ESFPs, and ESTPs. So just like the IJ types, the EP types have a perceiving function first, and last, they're just oriented toward the external world. So the EPs have the exact opposite issues as the IJs. EPs also either lead with extroverted intuition or extroverted sensing. And so that means their introverted perceiving function is last. That would be either introverted sensing or introverted intuition. Unlike the IJs, 
EPs are likely interacting with the external world quite frequently. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean people, but as an extrovert, you find ways to either engage in new experiences or to find ways to engage in conversations that will lead you to new ideas. When you're learning from the external world in this way, either through new experiences or stimulating conversations, you are likely doing that without an organized plan or a structure that could help you be more consistent or to stay committed to one idea. And actually, the idea of being more structured or staying committed to one idea probably feels quite stifling. But when you don't pay enough attention to your internal information gathering processes, you may end up making the same mistake again and again, or trying the same thing and expecting a different result, or simply just not having a firm foundation on which you can base your creative ideas. Just like the EJs, you can also be swayed at times by what the world wants from you, which can pull you away from your most authentic self, even though you don't tend to struggle with this quite as much as EJs. But you too can also spread your energy too thin over too many things, and this lessens your overall impact. And it can make you feel like you're not making the progress that you want and like there's a better way to be your best self. Okay, so now that we've looked more closely at the issue of trying to blaze a new, purposeful, and meaningful trail toward a life that creates a positive impact in your own life and the lives around you, and we've looked at the specific issues that each of the personality types in the 16-type system face when they have this goal, you might be wondering what you can do to mitigate these issues. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about in this season. Starting in the next episode, I'll share the five-part framework that I've developed that will equip you and guide you to be the best trailblazer and meaning maker that you can be in this one finite life that you have. If you're unsure of your personality type in this system, and you want to zero in on the specific strengths and struggles you have, I have two things for you. The first is a free self-typing guide that you can download when you sign up for my email at hellopersonality.com slash typing guide. That will walk you through the process of observing yourself through the lens of this system and help you to identify the letters of your personality type. But if you're really committed to this and you want to go further, the second is a 16 types level one package. Now, this is the best way to get started using this personality type system so that you can access your own personalized growth plan for living a more purposeful and meaningful life and accessing your greatest potential based on your type and creating the impact that you want to have in this world. This package includes a lot. So the first thing is a personality type interview. It's a conversational process that I use with you to unearth your best fit type. I walk through an accuracy verification process. I also unveil your mind wiring. And you also get an in-depth explanation of your personality type, including your unique stressors, the best way to be more intentional, the biggest driver of your identity, your communication and decision-making strengths and struggles, 
the biggest points of tension that you'll experience based on your type, and the greatest imbalance that you'll experience and what to do about that. You'll also get, based on the interview, practical growth ideas that you can take action on right now. You'll get a curated list of type-specific resources. And also, you'll get priority responses to any follow-up emails or questions that you have. If you want to learn more or sign up, you can go to hellopersonality.com slash 16 types, and that's one six types. And I have some more information on this page about this system and this package. And there's also some guidance there on whether or not this is the best system for you to work with right now. You can also check out on the page a short video that I've made about the conversational interview process and what that's like and how it's so, so much different than taking a test. So I'd love for you to check that out. So I'll include the links to the email sign up for the typing guide and the 16 types level one package in the description of this episode in case you didn't catch it. But that's all for now. I'll see you again in episode two. Take care.